And the way it's typically worked is by spying on people as they go about their business on their phones and the internet and using that to target them. We take a different approach. We say, wait a minute, if I want to find out what Gresh is interested in, rather than spy on him, I'll just ask him. So we turn ads into interactive experiences. We're growing and we love our clients and we love this sort of missionary way of rethinking the advertising business focused more on privacy. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Todd Lifborough on the show. Todd, excited to have you on the show. Gresh, it's great to be here. Yes, super excited to have you on and talk about all the awesome things you're doing. And of course, before we do that, I want to read a little bit more about Todd so you can hear about some of those awesome things. Todd serves as chairman and CEO of Viral Gains, a software as a service company dedicated to helping companies deepen their relationship with consumers using two-way digital advertising. Prior to Viral Gains, Todd served as president of iRobot, where he helped grow market capitalization to $1 billion. Founder, chairman, and CEO of Authoria, now people fluent, CEO of artificial intelligent consulting firm Foundation Technologies, Inc. Todd has also served as entrepreneur in residence at the Center for Digital Business at MIT since 2011, where he also judges the data science competition. As an author or editor of seven books, including an anthology books series on AI and machine learning, Todd has shared his experience and lectured at Stanford, MIT Sloan School, and Harvard Business Schools, amongst many others. And one of the really cool things that I was looking at before preparing for for this interview is that viral gains is used by hundred of the fortune 500 and one third of the fortune 400 fortune 100 which is super awesome and as i talked about todd's background he's um very well respected very well versed in all the things that we're going to really j- dive in deep for us today but the thing that i think stuck out to me was like he's the definition of serial entrepreneur and thought leader as i mentioned the amount of books he was involved in but he wrote the first a, a twenty thousand copy trade bestseller on computer science and robotics written at the age of 16, if I read that correctly, Todd. So super excited to have you on. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Yeah, I am excited. I'm excited to speak to you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. All the all the things that you're doing. So I guess to kick everything off, let's rewind the clock, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. Yeah, you talked a little bit about uh, the early days. I, I was obsessed by robots when I was a kid. And I think a lot of kids are obsessed with robots or dinosaurs and I went through the dinosaur phase and then got the robots and I wanted to build them. So I started um, playing around with mechanical things, trying to make them move. And eventually these early microcomputers were coming out. So I got a little computer called the Kim One, built a robot around it, gave some talks about it. A book editor saw the talk and said, hey, can you write a book about building a robot? So I wrote a book called How to Build a Computer Control Robot. I wrote it when I was 15, it was published when I was 16, and the darn thing sold 20,000 copies. So that kind of got me started in tech. And from there, I got more interested in, if you think of robotics as supplementing human muscle, and you think of AI as supplementing the human mind, I got more interested in that side of things. So every company I've started or or worked at since has had AI running through it. Consulting firm that you mentioned and expert systems and neural nets, human resources software, Authoria, spinning out a bunch of companies from MIT, and now viral gains and digital advertising. The common thread through all of them is this use of 
smart machines and AI. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love that because it's, it's staying true and consistent. To, it sounds like the essence of who you are. I often say, if you don't know who you are, sometimes you can go back and look at yourself at a young age and, and just hearing about the book and the seeds that were planted there and how they blossom into all the awesome things you've been able to do now. And I think the thing that, that I would uh, caution people who are starting out to think about is when you look from later in the career back, it all looks like it makes total sense. But when you're 22 and trying to figure it out, it doesn't seem like it's so easy. And so for me, looking back on it, in some ways, I can weave this thread of AI through all of it. But if you look at it another way, I was in consulting, I was in human resources software, I was in digital advertising. What the heck is that? What do they have in common? So really, for me, the common thread was trying to find things I love to do with people I love to work with that was intellectually stimulating, that could pay the bills at least most of the time. When I started my first company, uh, my co-founder and I lived on Kraft macaroni and cheese and painted world corporate headquarters on the wall and paint. And, <laughs> but, you know, eventually it, you can find both. It's not when you're looking forward at the future, it's a lot harder than when you're looking backward at what you've done. And, and I really like the idea of just understanding that life is a river. You can't control it all. But you sure as heck can paddle. Mm, I, I love that. That's so powerful. And and I imagine I, I, I see that the image of you with World Corporate Headquarters, like going viral. I don't know if you've seen the, the Jeff Bezos one where he had Amazon.com on the brown paper box or whatever. I see uh-huh. that exact same thing that kind of brought back, you know, memories of, of that as well, too. We had the, our first set of servers. We'd rented out an apartment for the building. So originally, this is actually my second company. I had an apartment in the building. And I rented another apartment for the company. So I had a 14-step commute, just go up the stairs. <laughs> and the first set of servers, there was no place to put them. So I actually put them in the bathtub. We weren't using the bathtub <laughs> in the yeah. business department. So there was literally somewhere a picture of a bathtub filled with servers. Yeah. It was actually running the company. And, and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, would come home and she'd be like, Todd, have you left the building this week? And I'd be like, <laughs> Have it. <laughs> <laughs> After you had everything there, that's the dream commute. So there you go. <laughs> so I wanted to drill down a little bit more, hear a little bit more about viral gains. And could you take us through a little bit more on how that works, what you're doing to make an impact for your clients there? For sure. The digital advertising space is massive. A couple of years ago, it passed television as the largest form of advertising there is. There are literally hundreds of billions of dollars that flow through it every year. And the way it's typically worked is by spying on people as they go about their business on their phones and the internet. And using that to target them, we take a different approach. We say, wait a minute, if I want to find out what Gresh is interested in, rather than spy on him, I'll just ask him. So we turn ads into interactive experiences. And uh, so let's say you see an ad for electric truck. Instead of just watching the ad, we'll say, what, do, you, do you like this truck? Or are you in the market for an electric car? Or what do you look for most in the truck? And about 1%, maybe 2% of people will answer the question. We call that zero-party data. So it's authentic connections with the consumer about what they care about. And then we use that, and then we use AI to generalize it to a large audience. So maybe 200,000 people might answer the question, but we'll generalize to 20 million people. And then the advertiser can say, okay, these are the ones that I should talk to because they've already expressed interest or are like the people who've expressed interest. So we're really trying to build a privacy-first foundation for the digital advertising economy. And as you said, it's now 112 of the Fortune 500 and 36 of the Fortune 100. Nice. Uh, and, and so we're growing and we love our clients and we love this sort of missionary way of rethinking the advertising business focused more on privacy. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love it because I think so many times when, and I feel like the big transformation that we've seen on through all types of media is that it used to be like you put something out and that's it. But now you start to see you put something out and then you start to have that opportunity to have a conversation, have that interaction. Extraordinary. It's a, it's a transformative way of, of thinking about advertising. People are used to thinking of it as one way. But in fact, as social media has shown, people want to have their voice heard. And so if there's a way to make something more interactive and more authentic, you build relationships that scale. I appreciate you so much in sharing that information. So do you, do you feel like part of this could be your secret sauce or the company's secret sauce or a combination of both? Do you feel like it's your ability to be able to see the forest for the trees, to be able to understand the, the AI part and how that interacts in all the businesses and be able to see like how that works, but also understand like what it truly takes to build a company? Do you think by being able to see that is part of like your secret sauce or the company's secret sauce or a combination? Yeah, let me start with the company's secret sauce because what Viral Gains is basically all about is creating that interactive relationship with someone, turning that into an understanding of where that person is in regard to that brand. Are they at awareness? Are they at consideration? Are they actually getting close to purchase? And then making sure that our customers can get the right message to that person. So it's using zero-party data and AI to do those two things. And those are really our secret sauces, those two things, zero-party data and AI. And we're deep in AI, and we've been doing zero-party data for half a dozen years, which is why we have so many customers and why, why it's grown so fast. I think for me, it's uh, some of the stuff we talked about. It's learning to be different at the different stages. And one of the ways I learned was I'm part of a CEO forum where a group of us get together once a quarter for two days. That's a big commitment of time. But I've been involved with this group for, for years and years, and I learned so much in that forum about how the role changes over time. I can bring my toughest issues to those folks, and they can give me an unbiased view. They're not your board. They're not judging you. They're not your team. They're not worried if you're uncertain. They're just there to help you vet tough issues. And I think peer networks are really important. I think mentors are super important. I always put on my board in the outside director seats people who have run billion-dollar companies or have more expertise than I do in the space I'm in or have a set of skills that maybe I'm a 5 on a 1 to 10 scale and they're a 10. Because if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. And if I'm not growing, it's hard to, to have everyone around me grow. Yeah, that's so powerful. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. We might have already touched on this, but it could be like an app, a book, or even a habit that you have. But what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? Yeah, I think to me, the biggest one is that peer network, is that idea of finding a group of peers you can talk to on a consistent basis. That's probably been the biggest one, because at, at key moments in my journey as a CEO in different companies, do you raise the big round or do you sell? Do you buy a company or do you not? It's, you need to change your people, all these things, all these hard decisions you have to make as a CEO. To have a group of peers was massive. More recently, I've actually uh, loved the book Atomic Habits, which I think is pretty well known, but it's just terrific for changing the way you start your day or changing the way you do things. And just this notion that you can improve 1% per day and suddenly in a year's time, you're 50% better or different. I've used that a lot to just make sure that my habits and the way I approach problems live up to my sort of vision and where I want to be and who I want to be. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So I wanted to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget. And, and you, I would love if you can tell us a little bit more around this AI. I know we brought up it a couple of times and I know it's very important to the things that you are doing, but what advice, uh, it could be a word of wisdom, piece of advice or things that you would give to 
you know, organizations that are looking to incorporate AI, just things that we should know about the impact that's here. I would say coming, but it's here. I like the way you asked the question. So I'm going to try to answer as succinctly as I can in one word. And that one word is play. So I think the, the key to what's going on in AI now is you can approach it with fear or you can approach it with a spirit of play. And they're so different. And um, this generative AI wave, this new wave of AI, now the perceptron, which is the, the beginning of the neural network architecture, was invented in 1965. So it's not as if this hasn't been coming for a while. Neural nets really came of age in the 1980s, and 90s, but it's these new architectures and new algorithms that have caused these amazing moments where we've all played with ChatGPT, and we've said, write me a limerick in the style of Taylor Swift, and boom, it writes it. And that's just gotten everyone's attention. So it's natural to have lots of questions about what that could do to jobs. Is it going to incorporate biases? Is it going to wake up one day and you know, terminate us all, which I think is overblown, personally? <laughs> yeah. um, I would say lean into the sense of play and lean into the opportunity to learn and lean into the opportunity to collaborate with these tools in whatever you're doing. Uh, if I'm writing an article now, I might start by saying to chat, here are the things I'm trying to do. How would you write it? And then look at what it did and say, oh, okay, there's some good ideas there. Uh, and now it's going to make some things up because that's one of the problems it has. Yeah, but as a place to start, it's great. Same with pictures. I often, if I'm thinking, oh, geez, my elbow hurts. Do I go check that out with the doctor? Oh, the chat GPT says, here's six things it might be. Oh, great. Okay, now I know what to do. And maybe I should rest it for a couple of days before I get back on the weights. So I, I think uh, play with these things. It's not hard. Go into OpenAI, open a free account. Start asking it to do wacky things, write songs, write poems, do some analysis, do the same thing with Dolly or Midjourney. There's hundreds of these tools. There's a newsletter I love called Ben's Bytes, which is just a daily short written newsletter that says, here are five or 10 new tools that came out today, and I'll inevitably go to one or two and play with them. So approach it with the spirit of play. We did something in our company called AI Play Day, where we said, everybody, go play with these tools. We'll show you how to use them if you have any questions. Just come in and show us what you came up with. And we had an employee who's writing a children's book about Fiona the turkey who lives in Harvard Square. It kind of was like Make Way for Ducklings, if you know that children's book, illustrated by Midjourney. And she couldn't create that on her own. Now she can't. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot more effectively and efficiently, I imagine, as well, too. So I wanted to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And our goal is to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Todd, what does being a CEO mean to you? I think it's the best job in the world because you have a chance to picture the way the world should be and make it so. And it is not easy. And it's not for the faint of heart. And there's lots of barriers and everyone's going to tell you no at the beginning. But if you're the kind of person who loves to dream and then loves to make your dreams into reality, if you're the kind of person who loves to have a team around you of great people, where you get an opportunity to pick the people you work with and help grow and mentor people and have them be a better version of themselves because they had a chance to spend time with you on something you're building together, there's nothing more fun in the world and I wouldn't trade the job for anything. Nice. I, I love that perspective and that definition. Almost you get the opportunity, you know, it's the, the Gandhi quote uh, to be the change you wish to see in the world. So Todd, truly appreciate that definition, that perspective, all the awesome things you're doing. What I wanted to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best people can get a hold of you, your team, find out about all the awesome things you're working on. 
Yeah, so the company is Viral Gains uh, and V-I-R-A-L-G-A-I-N-S, uh, and it's just viralgains.com. So that web- website will give them all the information they need to know about what we do and how we got there. Best ways to reach me probably on X, formerly Twitter. I'm at Todd at MIT because I still have a role at MIT. In fact, I'm judging the MIT data science competition very shortly here. It's coming up. And so those are probably the best, best ways to do it. Or on LinkedIn, you can always find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And to make it even easier, we're going to have the links and information in the show notes as well, too, so that everybody can follow up with you. But truly appreciate you taking some time out, all the awesome things that you share with us, all the awesome things you're doing. And, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. You as well, Crash. This was fun. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast, powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at ceohacks.co. This has been the I am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.